You're listening to the Journey to Launch podcast, teaching English abroad and paying off $16,000 of debt with Miss Wise. T minus 10 seconds. Welcome to the Journey to Launch podcast with your host, Jamila Souffrant. As a money expert who walks her talk, she helps brave journeyers like you get out of debt, save, invest, and build real wealth. Join her on the journey to launch to financial freedom in, in five, four, three, two, one. Hey, 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 journeyers. I am back with another educational, inspirational, and informative episode for you. I love these episodes. I mean, I really do. So thank you for joining me. If you're new to the podcast, take a seat. We're taking off and I'm excited to have you here. Now, make sure you follow me on social media. So wherever you hang out, Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, I mostly hang out on Instagram, but I really am everywhere. I'm at Journey to Launch. So find me there. I love when you guys repost the episodes that you are enjoying, things that you're taking away from it, and that you share that you share it with your family and friends, right? This is the way that the podcast gets out there. It's word of mouth. Like literally, I can't tell you how many times someone says, someone told me about your podcast and I started listening and then I told someone else or I told my mom, sister, friend, colleague, whatever. That's the best way to get the message out there and to get more people in your real life on the journey with you. Now, I'm going to be speaking to Miss Wise, and I'm excited to speak to Miss Wise because she has a wonderful story of how she is using living abroad and teaching English abroad in China to pay off debt. And she brought so much information to this interview where if you are interested in this, you are going to walk away with some some action items, some things you can actually look into to start doing what she did. And I'm really excited that you're going to be able to hear this. All right, just a little bit more about Miss Wise. Miss Wise runs Wise Woman Wallet, and she's on Instagram as Wise Woman Wallet. And she made some major changes to her life and finances because she said after attending her 10-year high school reunion, she knew that she didn't want to spend the next decade of her life in debt. And so she moonlighted as an ESOL teacher and then moved to China to teach English full time, travel and basically pay off debt. And she's now like three years in living in China, also has paid off $16,000 worth of debt and has done so much with her finances. And you'll hear how she did it, how she went from, you know, making that transition and leap how she doesn't believe in total deprivation while paying off debt and how you can eat your cake and crush the debt that you have also. So I'm really excited to have you here from Miss Wise. If you want any of the episode show notes or anything that Miss Wise and I talk about, go to journeytolaunch.com slash episode 123. This is episode 123. So wherever you're listening to this too, it should have a description and you can probably just click the link journeytolaunch.com slash episode 123. And as always, let me know what you thought of the episode. Now, let's hop into the conversation with Miss Wise. Hey, journeyers. So I am always excited to bring you voices. I feel like need to be heard more in the space and perspectives that are, I know, very helpful. Like if I can only like get this person to share because Miss Wise, who's on the show from Wise Woman Wallet, she does such an amazing job sharing her story on her Instagram account and on her blog. And I know that if more people heard your story, Miss Wise, that it would be so helpful. So that's why you're here. I'm super inspired by all the content that you put out, 
by your debt payoff story, you moving to China, all these things. So we're going to get into that. But thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Yeah. So what I love about your account, and by the way, Miss Wise is anonymous. So we're not going to use your real name and you currently live in China. But what I really love about your account, so what stands out with your account and like other personal finance accounts, and primarily I'm talking about Instagram, is the way you distill and like share financial information. And then that's pretty obvious when we find out why that is, because you're a teacher, like you have a teacher background. So I have a lot of teachers who listen to this podcast. My husband's a teacher, so I have a special place in my heart for teachers. And I want you to talk about how like you as a teacher, like you are from North Carolina or you're from the States, like now you're in China teaching English and paying off debt. It's a strategy that you've been implementing and you're doing like really well at it. So how did you go from (laughs) being in North Carolina or teaching in the U.S. to where you are now in China? Wow. Okay. So yeah, I'm originally from North Carolina, born, raised, educated, and my initial degrees are in communications. And I just got to a point in my job where I was doing marketing, where I was like, I really don't like this as much. I felt like I wasn't being of service. So what I did was I started moonlighting, teaching English to adult immigrants at a community college. So that's how the journey began in like 2015. I I started doing that. So you had a communications major. How how far out from graduating did you start teaching on the side, this community, to the community center? Let's see. Six years. Okay. Six years from undergrad. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So after being in the workforce for a minute, realizing I wanted to do a little, something a little different, I realized, Hey, I can help people and I can make a little money on the side by teaching um, at the local community college. And that's what I did for Monday through Monday through Thursday. After I got off work, I would go there and like, my life like lit up. I enjoyed being with my class. I had two different classes. One was mostly Spanish speakers, which is fine because I speak Spanish. And then my other group was literally global. Everyone was from everywhere, every continent except Antarctica. I kid you not. So it was just such a joy to be able to do that. And I realized like I'm in a situation where I feel like I have so many bills. I had just gotten my, the car that I had forever broke down and I had to get a new car. So that meant there was a new bill because I didn't have any money to buy a car outright and student loans were getting on my nerves. So I just, I wanted a break. I wanted to marry the things that I love, which are teaching and traveling with paying off debt. So that's when I decided to move to China in 2016. Okay. So when you, I mean, amazing, but when you first took this side teaching job, Did you have to like take a certification to be able to do that? Like, how did you get that side job? Okay. Yeah. So to be an adjunct professor at the time, I literally just had to have a BA and. In any subject, like, so in any subject. In any subject, I had, I had no education background whatsoever except volunteering. And so that's what I put on my resume is that I had been a volunteer and I had taught like seminars for other communications, journalism students when I was in college. I had tutored in high school. I had tutored in college. So I had those experiences, experiences. And then I also knew someone who was already at the community college. I met her at my friend's baby shower of all places. And I overheard her talking. And I was like, oh, so you teach at the community college? She was like, yeah, you should come and volunteer with my class. So I started volunteering with her class. Totally random, right? 
And then a couple months later, I applied for a, a position and I got the position. And what's funny is that when I looked back, when I was writing my resume, I was like, I've been teaching for a long time. I just hadn't gotten paid for it. I had all, it had always been a part of me. Like I loved breaking down stuff for other people. And so when I actually went into that lane and realized how much I loved it, I was like, I've, I've got to make a move. I've got to make a change. So what's fascinating about this, and it's like almost, it shouldn't be as fascinating as it is. And I mean, meaning this, I feel like all of us have a history or passion within us or something that we do really well. And it might not be something we get paid for, but sometimes we know we don't pay attention to it or we're not focused on it because we have life. We have all this stuff going on. And it sounds like you said you know how to speak Spanish. Is that because you you took Spanish classes or? Yeah, um, I I took Spanish all four years of high school. And then it was my second major in college. And I had studied abroad in college. So having already studied abroad in college also gave me a leg up to be like, oh, I can live abroad because I've already done that before. Right. And it's just amazing and fascinating when I've said it before is we all have these experiences and little things like little pieces of the puzzle that we pick up or put in our toolbox or that we that build us, you know, as we go along. And sometimes we don't know what all that leads up to, but it's like building up and if the pieces all come together to put you in the perfect position. If you can be aware of the opportunity, like you started volunteering, your your friend, you know, mentioned something to you, you your ears perked up, you filed to get more information, you volunteered, all that led you then now to like you really like being able to like live this now life that you probably couldn't have imagined like 10 years ago, you didn't know what it, it would look like this. So I just feel like there's a lot of I had people, no idea. Right. There's a lot of people with like a lot of puzzle pieces in their life. Like they're not, it's not connected yet, but it's there. It's just like piecing it together and being open and looking at the opportunities around you. Exactly. Exactly. So, all right, you then you're teaching at this community college, you know, this is now your passion. How did you transition now to going to China? Like, what was that like? And did you know someone already doing it? So that's why you felt, yeah. It's just so funny to think about the timeline of what's happening because I started volunteering in October around the same time I had gone to a library event because you can also tutor at the library and you don't get paid for it. You're volunteering. But I met two other Black women who were thinking about moving to Asia to teach. And so that was a bug in my ear. And I'm just like, I'm like, what is going on? Like, people are really moving across. And this is in North Carolina? This is in North Carolina. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there was these other two women in the class because we were doing the orientation because they needed volunteer experience to pad up their resume as well. So because they were already, they had already planned on going. So they put this bug in my ear. And then, like I said, I had also gone to my friend's baby shower, met a woman who was already at community college teaching English. And then my 10-year high school reunion was also in the fall of 2015. So all these things are just coming in my head. And I'm just like, I feel like I got to make a move because I feel like those moments when you go to a reunion or a baby shower or a wedding, you start to become really reflective about your life. And you're like, what am I doing? Am I doing as much as I can? Am I reaching my potential? And not really, you're not trying to compare yourself to others, but it's natural, right? And I felt as if I had done really cool things, like studied abroad in in different places and gotten two degrees, but this debt was just holding me down. I felt as if I couldn't really flourish if I had this weight, this debt holding me down. So October, started volunteering. December, I got the adjunct position. February, this is so funny, I started my online TEFL certification, which is TEFL is teaching English as a 
foreign language. So I started that on Leap Day 2016. So it was February 29th, 2016. And we only get that day every four years, right? And it was just so funny. I really did take a leap because <laughs> I, because what the money that I had saved at that point, it was, I think it was over a thousand dollars. By the way, to the folks listening, you don't have to pay that much for a TEPL course, but I looked at it. It was accredited. I loved everything about it. And so I just went ahead and did it. But it started on leap day and I was like, this is going to be something new. So February 29th, 2016, I started the course. I finished around May, but we already started applying for positions in April. I was actually thinking about South Korea first, but then the position opened up in China and I said, okay, let's go to China. (laughs) And it's one of the places that's actually more lucrative if you want to teach English. So there's China, there's South Korea, and then there's places in the Middle East, um, Mm -hmm. like Oman and Bahrain and the UAE. So those are places where you can get more more bang for your buck. You can get paid well. Right. When it came to taking the TEFL, is that how you say it? Yes. Yeah. So when you came to taking that test, you said there were all the options. You went with the, it sounds like a more expensive one. Then mm-hmm. there are different ranges of that. So is it as simple as um, Googling TEFL courses? And can anyone do this? So like just going back to like, if I am in corporate America and I'm like, you know what? I think I want to teach. Maybe I want to teach overseas. Mm-hmm. Anyone can take this program and then be qualified to do that? Yes. So what's interesting is there are courses that you can literally get on Groupon. There was one woman that I read her blog. She, she initially went to Korea, South Korea. She actually got her TEFL on Groupon for like 20 or $40. She completed the course and they were fine with that in South Korea and they hired her. Um, but I did a more higher end um, TEFL course that I, I was Googling and I was just looking at different things. And the people in the organization is based out of Chicago. They were, they like took group trips together to different places and uh, many of them had either taught abroad before. So they, so everyone sort of had experience and they also had a really good career guidance component. Whereas when I started getting my interviews and contract information and my resume and CV together, they checked all of that. They were like, okay, this is a good, this is actually a standard contract. You can, you'll be fine with this company. This is a company that many people go to before. So I needed that. I needed that support. Yeah, that I needed additional. that support so much. Like I didn't want to just do any sort of thing. And it was accredited. I, I made sure I checked everything out. They go to conferences every year and they and they have spots everywhere around. Well, not everywhere around the world, but they have spots in Chicago and in other places. So if you want to, if you want to take a trip and do your TEFL course at the same time, you can do that. But wow. I did the online course. So I was working my nine to five. I was freelance writing on the side and I was teaching four nights a week, teaching English. So I was hustling. Um, but I, again, I just felt as if I wasn't getting anywhere staying in North Carolina. Um, so how long was the TEFL program or course? The TEFL program was uh, three or four months, I believe. Okay. Something like so, that. Yeah. How did you get this specific position in China? Do they help place you at that point? Is there like a... Um, a job board that people who complete the TEFL exam, no matter where they take it, can have yes. access to like the positions out there? Yes. Um, so through my TEFL course, it's called International TEFL Academy. So they have free resources that anyone can look at. So you can go to their blog and they will list places where you can go and look up jobs on your own. So there's like 
Dave's ESL Cafe, there's teacherbroad.com. There's so many different websites you can go to. But I ended up, Dave, uh, through the TEFL Academy, I was able to link up with sort of a recruitment uh, agency. And I don't, I didn't pay anything for them to hook me up with um, positions over in Asia, but those companies pay them to find teachers. Mm. And so is it hard, like at the time when you did it, was there a lot of availability and spots open? And is it different today? Like if someone's like, you know what, I'm interested in this, but is it then harder to get placed somewhere? It depends on where you go. Because I'll just, I'll just talk about China specifically, because I worked at three different places in my three years at China. So the first place I worked at was called English First or Education First. It goes by EF. And this is a training center. So the kids, this is after school care, basically. So after school in the evenings and on the weekends is when you would work. And it's only English. It's like one hour max class or maybe it's two hour classes that you're teaching kids ages three to 18. So I'm one teacher, but I can have multiple classes throughout the week with multiple age ranges. Um, so that's one thing. And this, these type of training centers like EF and Wall Street English and Disney English, they're year round looking for, looking for people. Cause there's lots of, there's lots of turnover at EF where I was the, the rate for how long teachers stay in their position was eight months. Hmm. I completed my one year contract, but some people leave early because they realize this is not their jam. And some people stay for a long time because they love it. Um, but yeah, there's lots of turnover. So if you do training, if you go the training center route, they're always looking for people. Always. I came to China with a cohort of 25 other people from America, from all over. So that's one group. 26 people came in at one time. So they're doing that every few weeks. But when, once I got to EF, I realized that there were other avenues and I could literally go to a real international school. So I've been teaching at international kindergartens for um, the last few years. And it seems as if people are looking for people who are more, who, who have teacher accreditation, who, literally, who do have a certification, who have a license and who have a BA or, or something like that in education. Because a lot of folks were coming in with maybe a BA in horticulture. I'm just making this Right, up. or art. <laughs> yeah, or art. And they were not, necessarily good teachers. They weren't as professional, you know, they want a more professional breed of teachers to come over. So I think China has um, started to look more into the credentials more. But as I said, if you go to a training center, if you just look at it online, EF or Disney English or um, Wall Street English, a lot of them are just looking for a BA in anything. So you can get your, you know, your feet wet, come over, get, go to a training center. if you like it, like test it out first. Yeah. Okay. So, so many questions. When you get a position like this, are they paying for room and board? Where are you typically staying? Okay. The rate, like what do they pay you? (laughs) With a training center. Okay. With a training center, you think about the the income that you're going to get. Let's say it's, I don't know. I'm just going to make it up 3000 a month. So the income you're going to have from that, they're already going to include your housing stipend in that. They're going to include your, um, some travel stipend. So what they, they will give you airfare to come out to wherever you are. So you'll come out to China. Then after that, they'll start paying you every, every month. This is how it worked for me. They'll start paying you every month, a little bit of a stipend so that you can go back home. So they're paying you, let's say they're giving you a thousand dollar ticket. They'll pay you a thousand divided by 12 every month. 
for the duration of your contract. So you have to save that. You have to pay your, your housing expenses out of your salary. You have to pay. It's just like if you're here in the States, you have to pay for Wi-Fi, phone bill, anything else, right? But I realized that I can make more money elsewhere and I can get free room and board. So free apartment at my second job, which was on the school campus, on the kindergarten campus. Also, I had free breakfast, lunch, and dinner um, at the school with Chinese food. <laughs> you may not like chicken feet and pig knuckles or whatever else they make. There's other stuff that you can eat, you know, noodles and, and whatnot. But sometimes you, you'll get over that. But yeah, like free room and board. I had free meals. The only things that I had to pay for these, these past two years at international kindergartens have been getting my hair done, uh, riding the metro and travel and, you know, food that I wanted outside of the school. So it's been amazing to realize that my paycheck is coming to me. And also the schools also pay your Chinese taxes. So I didn't have to, I haven't had to worry about that as well. Hmm. Amazing. So that like sounds great. And I'm thinking like, you know, that's like the biggest expense for so many people. Obviously it's like room and board and housing and mortgage and rent and food. So getting to that taken care of is cars and right car and transportation. And you don't do any of that. So let's talk about, so the question that keeps coming up for me, you don't need to know how to speak that language. So do you speak Mandarin? Uh, Indian. Indian. (laughs) That means, that means a little bit in Mandarin. So, um, I, when I first got to China, I was blown away by the Chinese characters. I was blown away by the language. And I realized I wanted to learn more just so I can just wrap my head around the simplest things. So I, I took classes, but then I haven't taken classes in like two years. So I pick up stuff for my four-year-olds, my three and four-year-olds in the classroom. But you don't need to, like, if you want to go to a country, you don't need to speak that native language. No, because at the, yeah. at the training center... I mean, well, first of all, you're, you're in an English speaking environment. You're teaching English all day. And even with your Chinese coworkers, they're bilingual. Some are better than others, but they're bilingual. So everyone can basically understand English. It's super important if you really want to be immersed in the culture. And I realize I have missed out on certain things because I haven't picked on the la- up, up on the language. You can learn so much about a country and a culture by picking up on the language. But because I'm in an English speaking environment all day, with Chinese people who understand me either way, I haven't had that intrinsic motivation for a, a long time. So yeah. I have two I have two Chinese teachers in my classroom, my kindergarten classroom. So there's always someone who speaks Mandarin in to the help class. with the process yeah. and teaching them. Yeah. Okay, well, you also said you you spend money to get your hair done, and I'm looking like oh, like they know how to do your hair in China. So how yeah. I, so <laughs> okay, <laughs> Where um, you get your hair done. Not not the Chinese folks. But I'm in a very big city with people from all over the world. And there's a very large African population where I am. So I've been able to connect with uh, my brothers and sisters from Kenya. They hook up my locks. I have nice. locks that are down to my, down to my butt. <laughs> That's and, awesome. Uh, yeah. So I go there every month and get a taste of, uh, get a taste of Kenya and hang out. And uh, it's fun. Yeah. And I think that's wonderful because it also just like breaks down the mystique that, you know, in my head, I'm like, okay, it it would be so scary to go to another country. Like I'm going to be the only person like me and don't know the language, but it seems like 
a lot of that's not true because there are people from all over. It's diverse in certain areas. You can find your tribe. And, you know, the, the next question I want to ask you about being a black woman in China and like how that is, um, how's that experience been for you? So um, one of the one of the ladies in North Carolina, remember that I met at the library, she moved to basically an hour away from where I was going to move to in China. So we stayed connected and I was like, girl, what do I need to do before I come over? And one thing that you have to do is just bring your own products. So that's what I've been doing since I've been home here in North Carolina, going to Walmart and getting all my like black hair care products and stuff like that and skincare products and taking it over there. But she was just telling me about the fact that, you know, there are so many people, there's Western culture is, uh, is sort of like lauded in a sense. And people really, they want to be a part of it. And, and so there's so many restaurants you can eat at and stuff like that. Um, there is a little bit of, of racism. One thing is because China is very homogenous. For a very long time, they've been closed off. So when you don't see stuff every day, in, and it's different to you, you're sometimes you're scared of it. For me personally, I have the only bit of racism I've experienced is people on the Metro, maybe getting up and moving somewhere else. And that's fine with me because I would love to be on the Metro and just have the whole road to myself. So that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of my good friends, a lot of times landlords, Chinese landlords do not want to rent to a person of African descent. They don't care if you're American, if you're Caribbean, if, you know, they look at you and they see a black person, they don't want to rent to you. So that has been an issue for other people. But for the most part, when people see my locks and and they're just like, what is going on here? It's mostly amazement. They want to touch my hair. They want to talk to me. (laughs) And it's so funny. They'll try to talk to me in in Mandarin and I'll say a few things and then they just keep going. I'm like, "Mm, I don't understand anything else you just said. But for the most part, it's been more fascination and wow, this is different versus racism. Right. And in terms of you leaving, right? So when you made the choice, how long have you been doing this now? Almost two years. It'll be, excuse me, three years. September 2019 will be three years. So how did your family feel about you going and leaving? How did you feel? Was that adjustment? So for someone like myself with kids and a husband, like, you know, making such a change would be like a different decision. It's not probably something I I do. Um, I don't know if people with families do this, but, um, oh, okay. So I'd love to talk more about that, but then also like that perspective of, what holds a lot of people back from trying things like that, even though they might be interested is leaving their family behind. So how have you been able to make that transition work? One is that, as I mentioned before, I've had study abroad experience. So I spent a semester in Spain. So doing that early on, I got the travel bug and I was just like, I want to go away as many times as possible. And that's what I did. I studied abroad, like, three more times um, throughout my undergrad and graduate career. My parents, and even before I studied abroad, like I remember signing myself up for summer camps in like <laughs> a bigger city in North Carolina and, and, my, and just telling my mom like, oh mom, I need $25 for this application fee. And she'd be like, for what? Oh, you know, I just want to go to this summer camp in Raleigh, you know, for the summer. And she's like, uh, okay. I was always a self-motivated kid. And I, and I knew in my small city, I had to go where the opportunities were. Nothing was going to fall in my lap. I had to go. I had to get out. I wanted more for my life. 
than working a nine to five and just being here and seeing the same people all the time. Work, home, church. That's what the life is like here. So how did you know? So did you have someone as a role model growing up to know that there was more out there? Did you like get inspired by TV or songs? Because there's so many people growing up who who have those feelings, but just don't do anything about it or just don't know even what to do. seems like you were very motivated and independent. So what, what do you think, where did that come from? Where do you think that that stems from? Gosh, I think it comes from like maybe four places. Like I was, uh, my grandmother had a very big hand in raising me and she loved to like go to different places. Like she, her and her like geriatric crew would go to like Cozumel for a cruise. You know, they were in their sixties and seventies going on a cruise and stuff like that. And then one of, uh, one of my aunts is a big traveler. Her and her best friend is a travel agent. And so they used to travel a lot. And I didn't realize when I'm thinking about this, like I didn't realize it at the time that they were influencing me like that, but they were. Number three was like, you know, I'm deep into like MTV generation and remembering when they had Semester at Sea. Do you remember the real world? Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. So they did semester at sea. And I was like, that is the coolest thing. You're still learning, but you're traveling the world. I was like, that is so cool. So that was an influence. And then number four, my Spanish teacher in high school, she had taken uh, students previously to different countries like Costa Rica or Mexico, I think. And the beginning of senior year, or it was the end of junior year, she held a meeting to see if anyone was interested in going on a trip abroad. And Jamila, I kid you not, I pull up to the library of of my high school and I'm like, okay, I don't see any cars here. I was the only one who showed up for this interest meeting. Wow. So I was sort of crushed because I was like, this would have been my opportunity to go abroad, right? For the first time and do something. And I was willing to do anything. I was like, I would do hot dog sales. I would do bake sales. Because for some reason, I could not get a job. I don't know. Maybe I was like overqualified or something. (laughs) They were like, she has too many club activities. But I was willing to do anything at that point, but no one else showed up. But thank goodness my my Spanish teacher at the time was like, don't worry about it. Like, I know you're going to go to college as soon as you go to college. And she knew where I was going. She said they have a great study abroad program. You get in there and you do it. And so I dragged my feet freshman year. Sophomore year, I was like, I got to do this. I got to do this. So um, the end of sophomore year, I applied to study abroad my junior year. That's and it changed awesome. my life. Yeah. Like once uh, I got that, that travel bug in me, it was uh, hard to get loose. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's talk about the money side of things. Because so for people, there, there's like, um, there might be some things bubbling up for people like, okay, yeah, I want to travel. That's amazing. But there might be some things like I have so much debt and so much going on financially. And so geo arbitrage, like this lifestyle design where you're moving somewhere else and working for a company that helps pay for your expenses can vastly change the course of your finances. So let's talk about when you went, how much debt you had and what you've been able to do so far and how much you paid off and all that. Okay. So when I left uh, September, 2016, literally I dropped <laughs> like $11,000 in debt, turning in my car to car max, literally 11 hours before I got on the plane to China. <laughs> so I initially dropped $11,000 worth of debt that way, got rid of that car loan. And then I had 53,000 left. So that included, um, like some medical bills, 
because I'd had um, a surgery that included credit card bills. I couldn't even tell you what I bought on those credit cards. I have no idea. And then my, I had um, a little bit of undergraduate debt. And then I had this 40 G's of graduate school debt where I was like, oh my God, I don't know how I'm going to get rid of this. So when I started the journey in earnest, $53,000. Yeah, not including the car. And what I did before I left was I you know, had some freelance opportunities and I had the money coming in from teaching at the community college. So when that money came in, I, I think I only had like one month worth of money to pay back loans back home. So I really was like, I really had to pinch pennies when I actually came to China because my salary, I thought it was, I thought I was going to have more money than I did, but I realized that I had to pay rent and I realized I had to do all those things. And I thought my money would stretch a little bit further, but I hit the ground and then I started hustling again, started teaching on the side. Teaching Um, on the side in China. Yeah. Teaching on the side in China. If I wasn't an accredited teacher at the time, like your husband, he, he probably has like a New York yeah. teaching certification. I didn't have like a state teaching certification. I had this online TEFL certification. But yeah, but people who are certified and you have experience, you can make up to $60 an hour um, teaching on the side, teaching English on the side. So I was teaching at two different, two different places on the side in addition to uh, working the, at the training center that first year. And I made things work. Once I realized I had another friend who left that same training center and was like, girl, you need to go over here to these international schools because they pay for everything. And I was like, what? <laughs> and yeah, so I was like, let me go ahead and, and start applying. And here's another good website. I used eChinaCities.com. So that's literally the letter E, ChinaCities.com. And I started applying like mad on that website turning in my CV, putting up my, my little um, headshot and uh, got the ball rolling. So at that time, did you have your official, your, your teacher certification? Did you go back and get it or not yet? I started getting my certification my second year. So I was already at this international kindergarten and I'm trying to figure out how I heard about the program, but the program is called teacher ready. So teacher ready is based out of Florida. So it's, accredited. It's a program you can do online anywhere in the world. What you need to have, obviously your BA, and you need to be already in a school or be at a place where you can volunteer. You're going to learn theory in the beginning, but then you're going to start implementing your own lesson plans in the classroom. And you're going to start observing other teachers. So you need a person who's already has a teaching certification. I was blessed to have one of my friends. He had one from California. So he was my mentor. He was the one who observed me from time to time. He was the one who signed off on things. And I started it like December. I got a fee waived. So I was like, let me go ahead and start this program now. I started it in December of 2015. I completed it in June of 2016. And so they, I did it in six months, but they say it usually takes nine months. But I had to do it in six months because I had to complete everything before the semester ended. I was like, there's nothing I can do over the summer, right? I need to have my friend look over things and I need to implement these lesson plans. Am I even answering your question? No, you are. <laughs> well, no. So it's helpful because it shows like the steps, like there's like all this stuff sounds great, but then there are like little steps and we're not gonna be able to cover everything. But yeah. Getting your certification allowed you then, it seems to, you're already at the- um, the I'm t- at the third school. school. 
the third yeah. school, but the third then it allows school. you to make more money or be more qualified exactly. on the side. Exactly. So these are things where, you know, there's levels to it. It's important to at least note so that people can do their own research. But I yeah. will try to, I'm going to get all these links, everyone that Miss Wise is mentioning, and I will link them in the show notes. So, all right, you then, you're in China, you're working, and you're focused on paying off debt, right? Is that your main goal at this well, point? When I was doing the teacher certification, I was focused on paying it in cash because that was about $6,000. Yeah. So the tuition and it was pay as you go. Hello, which works great because I would do a lesson and it would be $800 per lesson. So every time I got paid, I would just pay for another lesson. And then I had to pay what I, I did when I came back to America. I had to also take the exams here in America. So when I came back to visit, I also took the exams and I also had to pay some money for that. So at the time in my second year here in China, I paid off the undergrad loans and I was paying for my teacher certification out of pocket. Right, so, right. Yeah. So now my, at my third school now, as you've seen on my feed, my focus for 2018 and the very first part of 2019 was saving money. Because I realized I just didn't have enough savings. And I was just in a very precarious position being 7,000 miles away from home and only having $400 in the bank at the time. Because I was paying debt. I was paying for trips, um, a few trips that I had. And I paid for that teaching certification in cash. So I was really cash poor. Even though I had done well with getting rid of some of the debt, I was cash poor. And I said, I can't do that. So this year was about saving $10,000 as a emergency fund. Right. And for where you are, like you said, you're not home where you can like, you know, go back home or someone to someone, you know, that in the United States, you have to be, you have to have a different level of security being in China. Now, what I love about your philosophy is that you don't believe in deprivation. You know, you had a couple of posts and blogs about that. Can you talk a little bit about the way you go about things and how you enjoy this journey because you, you you seem to be very focused on your goals. So whatever that was at the time and is now, but then how do you make sure you're still enjoying life? And what does that look like for you? How do you have fun? How do you spend money when you do spend it? Gotcha. One of the things that I decided to focus on was things that bring me value, things that bring me joy. So if it means that I take two international trips a year, but I don't spend a lot of money on clothes, then that's fine. I don't, you know, I don't care that much about fashion, but what I do care about is seeing new people and experiencing new cultures and, you know, jumping on the beach, you know, jumping in the beach and speaking to people and tasting this delicious food. So I realized early on, um, the very first year I was in China, I was really, I couldn't move a lot. I couldn't really do things. And I realized it was bringing me down because I'm in China I want to be able to go see the Great Wall in Beijing. I want to be able to go to Hong Kong. I want to be able to go to Vietnam or what have you. Those things made me so happy. So I decided to implement that in my budget. I'm just like, if I want to do these things, I'm going to be judicious about it. I'm not going to go everywhere in one year, but I'm going to mark down those places I really do want to go to on the bucket list and just try to make it happen when I have time off. Because I have like three and a half, four months where I'm actually not teaching. Those are paid vacations. So, um, and you still get paid. I still get paid. That's awesome. Yeah. I put it in the budget. I tell people like put fun in your budget. If it brings you so much joy to go with your college girlfriends to brunch, do it. 
Like you can't do it every Sunday, but you can make a time and, and make room in your budget and in your calendar for once a month. If you like to get your hair done or pedicures, like there are people who do their own hair and that's cool. But I'm just like, I don't want to do that. I want a professional to get in here and get it done in like two hours. Because if I try to do it, I'm going to be on YouTube for 12 days. I'm going to be trying to right. buy all the products and it's just, and it's going to turn out like crap anyway. So just like there's certain things that you pay for the convenience or you pay for the joy of. And that's what I do. And in China, I'm able to do certain things that I wouldn't even do in the States with my money, like get massages. So a massage in, in the, here would be what? $60 per minute. US? $60 mm-hmm. per one, for one hour. So that's a dollar a minute. I can pay 70 RMB, that's 70 Chinese UN for an hour long massage. And that's only 10 or 11 US dollars. A pedicure, I, I can get a pedicure for 10 or $11, a jail pedicure, not like just like a regular one. So it's like, there's certain things that I take advantage, advantage of in China because it is cheaper, but I don't waste money on like crap that I don't like. Right. And that's the thing I think for everyone, it's not necessarily about cutting out all expenses. It's just about value spending and being aware of what really brings you joy. And if you're doing it because it's something you truly enjoy or if you're doing it because it's just like the status that everyone else is doing and something you've kind of inherited, like it's a cultural inheritance or just a family inheritance of like, oh, this is what you do. But like, is it really what you want? Like, you don't have to do it that way. And then if you do have certain goals, right? So like there are certain things that you're focused on, like maybe it's saving, investing, paying off debt. So going out to eat, if, even if it does bring you joy, is not something that's going to be, if you do that every day, you're not going to be able to reach your goals. So then cutting it back, and thinking about ways in which you can still implement that in your budget, in your life to where you're still still feel fulfilled. Maybe it's not though, you're not balling out of the control the way you'd like, but it's still something that gives you some pleasure. I think like, I totally agree with you. You have to make sure you're putting that in or it's just going to be a very miserable journey. And use it as rewards too. Like a lot of people forget to reward themselves along the journey. They think that when I become debt-free in two years, that's when I can celebrate. I'm like, no, celebrate along the way. Right. Just don't celebrate, don't celebrate to the point where it's put you back. Right. Like just be smart about the way you celebrate. But yes, celebrate your wins. Like who knows? Right. Life is short. Who knows what can happen? And so I always say the end of the journey is not the goal or that feeling that you're hoping to get at the end of the journey is not the goal. You need to be feeling those things now, like whatever you think is going to change or be solved by becoming debt free, reaching financial independence. (laughs) even if it happens, like you're going to quickly realize that there's something else you want to do. Now, one of the things you talk about a lot is just like how your mindset, and I love this topic, mindset is like a direct correlation to like income. So boosting your mindset for you boosted your income. Can you talk about like what that was, what you did, and then any tips for other people who are just like, you know what, I need to boost my income. So let's start with the mindset. Woo. Yeah, the mindset thing has it's an it's an everyday situation that I'm always just trying to filter my mind and, and think more positively. So I'm always reading and, you know, listening to podcasts like yours. And one thing that I did in, uh, in May just a couple months ago was I secretly was like, this is going to be money May. I was like, every single day I'm going to do something that puts me in the mindset of increasing my income in some way. So that meant everything from like listening to just like 10 minute, like in the morning when I did my yoga stretches, I would put on, uh, on YouTube, like money magnet meditation or something. 
So just using those frequencies. And then I also got really serious about coming up with a product of my own to actually sell. So I started thinking about ideas for eBooks and there were these courses that I'd already paid for, but I was not using. And I was like, that's a waste of time and waste of money. Like I need to actually look at these courses and it'll help me come up with ideas and, and produce things that um, perhaps I can, you know, help serve others. I started freelance writing with Bankrate. They came up to me because they saw what I was doing on Instagram and they were like, oh, this is cool. And, and not knowing that I had a communications degree, I had a background already in writing. They didn't even know that. So, um, so all these things, again, coming, you know, coming into play. I decided like I need to take advantage of this and times when I would procrastinate and I would have in my head that, no, you need to work hard to make money or you need to make money just teaching. I realized that, you know, I have this skill set and people are looking at me and, and they want something from me and I can take advantage of that. So throughout May, I was like looking up ideas for, to write for them. I was like sending in submissions. I was sending in those invoices. I was like, we, we've got to do this. And also in May, what's funny, I'm doing all this work on myself and I'm reading and, and listening to stuff on YouTube and um, just really just putting the work in. And I got a couple opportunities to teach again, just opportunities would just come my way. Yeah. Because I was seeking them. I was looking at them. I had just, I literally just read the compound effect like two days ago, I finished reading it. And it was just talking about how if you don't see opportunities, it's because you're not looking for them. Sometimes it's literally because you're not looking for them. There's so much information out here or there's just there's a frequency that we have to tap into in our mind that says there are opportunities available for me. I have gifts. I have talents and I can serve people with this gift. So opening my mind up in May, literally just every day, just thinking about something, reading about something, listening to something, just working on my craft things started to come my way and it's been amazing. <laughs> yeah. And, and that is what I hope every journeyer comes to understand if they don't already. I know a lot of you guys listening know this, but maybe you're not implementing it as much and not focusing on this foundational mindset piece, that mindset work, because it's not always the most direct thing that you can measure or there's such small like changes. So for example, I was thinking about this because I'm like trying to get healthier and work out and all this stuff. And but the things I need to do are very small to like to, to implement the changes I need to see. So, for example, the kind of things I need to do to help my body recover from having three kids in such a short amount of time are like things that I find so boring. It's like doing these little small exercises for my core. And I'm just like, this is not I don't feel anything. This is not doing anything like this is like I want to like go. I used to do CrossFit. Like, I just want to, like, go and, like, really do something, you know. Oh, wow. Intense. You're serious. CrossFit? Go yeah. Ahead, I, I used to. And so, but I'm just, like, these small changes, though, even though I don't want to do it because it's not as fun and it's, like, I'm laying on my back and doing all this, like, leg lifts and, like, whatever. When I stick to it, when I can stick to it for, like, a week, I see dramatic changes to my body. But in the moment, doing it, it's not fun. I don't like it. It's just like, it's not doing anything. And I find that often with like money and mindset stuff where it's just like, oh, I'm listening to this thing or I'm supposed to be doing this thing. But, you know, I want to make the money. I want to like invest. You want to do all these like (laughs) big things, but not realizing that it's the small things that you're probably avoiding that you don't think matter that you're putting off. Doing that consistently over time, like your life will be different. Your money, your bank accounts, your investment accounts will be different when you start doing those little things that you're avoiding or that you don't think are important. 
Exactly. Exactly. Like when I first started on this journey, when you think about $53,000, and I know so many of us are in that boat, we have large figures ahead of us. It's like, you have to break it down. You have to think about, you can't think about the, the, the entirety of that. You, you wouldn't, even, it's too daunting. It's a huge mountain. But when I thought about the first balance and just getting rid of that, then it helps out. But it's like, yeah, like stuff every day, what you're talking about, like people don't realize every month to saving $50 a month or saving $100 a month or investing $200 a month. Just starting something small and starting it now. Oh my God, it will bring such big results. And I I often kick myself for not starting sooner. I'm just like, why didn't I start sooner? Like my parents didn't teach me much about you know, money. And part of the mindset that I had to get rid of was the mindset that was sort of taught to me by my parents. Like you'll always have debt and right. You always have to work. Yeah. You always have to work hard. hard. Exactly. You gotta, you go to college, you get a nine to five and that's what it is. And, um, reading and listening to podcasts like yours and seeing other people's debt free stories, like has motivated me so much. That's one of the pieces that I tell people all the time, like at least just like just get immersed in it. You got to change your mindset. Everything yeah. flows from there. Yeah. Okay. So what's next like for you? I know you're still working on paying off debt. How much debt do you have left? I have uh, like 37,000 left. So this, so 2019, I've dubbed it, you know, I like to, I like to make my uh, goals like operations, little mini operations. So this is called operation 19 and 19. So I have two graduate school loans in a package and both loans were around 19,000. So I just chose the one with the the slightly smaller balance. And so I'm like, I'm going to get rid of this loan this year. So you're paying off $19,000. Your goal is to pay yes. off $19,000 this year. And after that, I know like your, your focus is becoming debt-free, but I always wonder, since so many people are um, in debt, a lot of it is focused on becoming debt-free, which is amazing because that's like one of the steps in, you know, reaching financial independence. But for you, what happens after you become debt-free? Because that's going to happen, like, right, in a couple of years. So yes, is the idea that, yeah, so is the idea that you, how long would you think you, you're going to, like, stay in China and work? Do, do you have different things you're working towards? Are you working towards financial independence? What does that look like for you? To be honest, I'm not, I'm not really sure right now. As far as China, there are people who have come and they thought they were going to stay one year. And they've been there for eight years and got married to someone and had kids. And, you know, I'm open to that possibility. Um, I'm open to teaching abroad somewhere else. I'm also open to coming back home and launching Wise Woman Wallet as, you know, an actual business where I'm educating and empowering women, especially about money and just continuing to see that grow. So I'm just open right now. Yeah. I'm open. I'm not, I'm not sure about if I want to retire at the age of 50 or, or whatnot. I'm just open to learning and growing and collaborating with folks and seeing sort of where life takes me. I've come, I used to be a person who was very regimented and like, I always had to go have a goal for everything. And now it's like, I want to become debt free. I want to travel to like another continent, but I'm not sure about maybe like my five-year plan. I'm not sure about that yet. 
Yeah. Well, I love that you said you're open. And I mean, I think honestly, that is the better place to be. If you're, if you're not sure about exactly what you want, that's fine. Like just being open allows you to pivot and turn and like take advantage of so many things. Cause you're not, you know, you don't have anything defined pre predefined in your head or what you think life should look like. And so that allows you to dream bigger than, you know, or things to happen that you would not normally or couldn't have imagined because it's just an open canvas for you to paint on. So please let everyone know where they can find you and how they can keep up with you. All right. So Instagram is my jam. You can find me at wise woman wallet. And you can also uh, find me on the blog, wisewomanwallet.wordpress.com. Those are the two main spaces. You can email me at wisewomanwallet at gmail.com. Um, so yeah, that's, that's where you can reach out. Okay. And I will link all that in the episode show notes. Thank you so much, Miss Wise, for coming on. I really hope this puts some fire under someone to really realize like the world and life that they want is right there. They just got to reach out and grab it and do, do something to get it. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. Good luck. Uh, Best wishes to all the journeyers. Let's do this. Yeah, let's do it. (laughs) I really hope you enjoyed that conversation with Miss Wise. I thought she was so giving in her information to us. And I hope that if you are thinking about ways you can get creative and pay off debt, and even if let's just say you're out of debt, you don't need to pay off debt. Maybe you're past that stage and it's more about lifestyle design and geo arbitrage where you are, you know, moving to other places and exploring the world. Like this sounds like an amazing opportunity for so many people. So I hope that if this is something that interests you, you take it a step further. You don't just listen to this and say, that was great. I wish I could do that. Like you actually go to the episode show notes, figure out how you can do what she did, or at least start implementing some of these things in your life. You can do it too. I I promise you, Um, you can make any change that you are willing to make as long as you get out your comfort zone. So once again, if you want episode show notes, go to journeytolaunch.com slash episode 123. Also, let me know what you thought of this on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. I'm at Journey to Launch. I love when you screenshot and share what you loved about it, what you took away, and how this is inspiring you on your financial independence journey. Now, if you missed the opportunity to join the Money Launch Club, you don't fret, don't cry, it's okay. The Money Launch Club is the community of journeyers just like yourself taking what they're learning on the podcast to the next level with tools, classes, support, systems to help you basically reach all your goals. The doors are closed right now, but they will be reopening. But if you wanna be the first to know when they're reopening and get some bonuses, go to Money Launch Club dot com to be on that list. All right. Until next week, keep on journeying, journeyers. Journey to launch.